0: Welcome to my show, America, Can We Talk? Today we're going to talk about the New York Times admitting it's selling racism and the New York Times 1619 Reframing America Project. Also, Alexandria costa cortez says Trump voters are too stupid to know that they are racist. We'll talk about that. The Dems are having internal race war. Very interesting. Mueller, a huge development in the Mifsud character and the whole Mueller investigation. And finally... Ilhan Omar, Israel, and the BDS truth. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk? Stay tuned.
1: Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry.
0: Hi, I'm Debbie As. Welcome again to America Can We Talk. You can tell for the one last time in August of this year I'm in uh, not in a home studio in Dallas for uh, traveling, visiting family, and so this I understand the video may be a little bit choppy. We're going to try to make it work today, but we're going to do the show. Uh, and then my next show after today is the day after Labor Day, and I'll be right back on track four days a week, every day, Monday through Thursday, James Central Time. For today's first five here in America Can We Talk, I want to talk about this just explosive story that came out of New York City involving the New York Times and a meeting, a staff meeting, one week ago today. Turns out someone was recording it and released a transcript of it and is now public understanding what the New York Times executive editor said to his own staff as they talked about their coverage of Donald Trump over the last year and what they intend to do going forward. So first of all, this was actually just an amazing thing. This became public. This is again, as the New York Times uh, executive editor, Baket, meeting with his entire staff a week ago today. Number one, He acknowledged that the New York Times had pretty much been, in his words, just to summarize what they did over the last two years, they had been obsessed and driven with the idea that they were going to get Donald Trump removed because of the alleged Russia-Trump collusion, which now everyone has seen what did not happen. was a made-up story. So here this guy talking to his own newsroom um, he was just really, it was a very hard story, and he you know, he celebrates, they won two Pulitzer Prizes. Turns out the story wasn't true. If you ever thought for a moment that the New York Times is still a journalistic institution, this should disabuse you of that notion forever. They are not about journalism, they are about propaganda. They are about defining for America what they want you to think. So that was the first thing, very very open acknowledgement by this guy, Paquette this is what we did we tried very hard to force the american public to believe that trump was illegitimately elected because of trump russia collusion he was he this executive editor was devastated by the fact as it turned out that the um in fact his words i don't give you the exact his exact words he said we built our newsroom to cover one story and we did it truly well in reference to the trump russia collusion hoax And then he said, now we have to regroup, shift resources and emphasis to take on a different story. So they're not journalists. They were just driven by this effort to shape the American public opinion about Trump having been elected, allegedly, illicitly. But now that that's fallen apart, their next plan, you might think they might say, you know, we'd like to go back to honest journalism. So we're going to actually commit to try to cover both sides of the story, both sides of the aisle, try to cover Donald Trump in a fair and accurate way, but that's not what they chose to do. The announcement in this meeting, again, transcript release, you can read the transcript. It's on our website, or You can go to the links there and go down homepage, under show, list of links, and you can actually read the entire lengthy 18-page transcript. Why I want to draw to your attention, though, is because the decision by the New York Times was not to say, you know, maybe we should try journalistic integrity for a while. Their decision was to, try to focus on the ar- argument they make that Donald Trump is a racist, and so they want to expand discussion about racism in this country. They want to they want to flood the airways, cover every story they conceivably cover all from the perspective of alleging that president trump is a racist that anyone who voted for him is a racist even though they may not know it that his viewpoints and policies are all racist they are driven driven to stuff this racism narrative narrative down the throats of the american people this is really really important to understand new york times now i'm going to guess a lot of my listeners don't read the new york times But it's still considered in many of the elite leftist circles kind of the, you know, the pinnacle that that maybe along with The Washington Post, but the two are considered to be the the height of journalism, you know, the the dream job out of journalism school, the dream job eventually get hired by The New York Times. And these people are telling you. And in fact, I'm going to talk more in the next segment about this meeting because it isn't just this announcement that was made relating to focusing on Donald Trump and racism. It was expanded into something called the 1619 Project, which I'll describe for you, but also had the back and forth between these staff members at this meeting, we could go today in New York Times, and this executive editor, Paquette kind of back and forth, essentially you know, talking about how we're gonna cover racism. And the main question they got from many of the people who raised their hand is say, I like to ask a question, would, in some way or other, can't we say racism more? Can't we accuse him of racism more often? Can't we attack him as a racist in every conceivable story? And, folks, I want to get down to something we're going to really cover more in the next segment. But this is, if it's not obvious to you, an insidious effort, an insidious effort to divide America, to plant seeds of doubt and distrust among various groups in America, to encourage people to see their fellow fellow Americans as potentially racist as oppressors it is is a is designed to deeply harm our culture and our country it is designed to divide america these people sitting there at that new york times meeting with their editor were not particularly you know they weren't really apologetic they weren't really no one at least i read the transcript said well maybe we should reconsider our preconceived notion that President Trump is a racist. I mean, why do we keep saying that? Look at all these great things he's done. Nobody suggested that. The entire effort of all the conversation, at least that you could read in this transcript, was about can't we push the Trump is a racist narrative more? I'm gonna close out the first five by saying this. In 2020, our presidential election is going to be impossibly important. It's impossible to overstate the importance of the 2020 election. The mainstream media, led by the New York Times, many of the Democrat elites in the country, pretty much all of the candidates for the presidency on the American press side, go spend their time 24/7 trying to plant the seed of doubt and 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 um, just plant the seed in the minds of the American people that the country is a deeply racist country. Racism is seething below the surface everywhere that people of color should be worried, and we need to to meet that. We need to challenge that. People who love this country, people who love the rule of law, who love the policies and the ideas that Donald Trump stands for, we need to be standing up for our country, recognizing the leftist campaign headed into 2020 is flat out pure assault on the American people, on you, on me, and anyone who supports President Trump's agenda. So close out the first five by saying, I want to talk more about this next, but it's really important to understand this racism issue is going to be a huge issue. This allegation of racism, discussion of racism it is incumbent on us to speak up in response to it. And to the first five on America, Can We Talk? I want to continue the discussion about the New York Times and the 1619 redefine America thing. I just can—I cannot possibly overstate the importance of this. One thing that came out of this New York Times meeting a week ago today, and then an effort has been announced by the New York Times, they are going to start something called the 1619 uh, Project. They're essentially saying they want to reframe how all Americans think about American history. No, they're not going back to the Constitution. They're not going to explain the Federalist Papers. They're not going to discuss the Declaration of Independence or the beauty of the structure of limited government set forth in the Constitution. No. What they are doing is positing the year 1619 as the real beginning of American history. And that 1619 year is being posited as that because these people want very, very much want to have Americans think about race, and racism all day long, 24-7, about every single topic. 1619, says the New York Times, is the first year that some black slaves were brought to America on slave ships. So they want to say that's the real beginning of America, 1619, and they're pushing forward with the idea that all of America's history, everything we ever think about America in our history must be reframed recalibrated under the umbrella of looking at our country as a deeply profoundly horrible awful racist place that is the mission of the new york times they already launched their first effort on this they've been saying they they launched this effort saying essentially that the uh, the effort of reframing american history must involve talking about the uh, black slaves coming to america and, and what their history was, here, but they go on from that. And I really wanna, I, I just can't tell you how important this is. This is an effort to diminish the greatness, the uniqueness, the extraordinary, exceptional nature of the ideas that founded America, of the ideas that shaped America throughout our history. I am not claiming, and no one ever claims, that America was perfect from the time of our founding. But the founding ideas of America set forth in our Declaration of Independence and in our Constitution were the most extraordinary ideas upon which a nation has ever been based. Those ideas allowed America to develop into the most prosperous country, the most secure, the most safe, the most noble, the most generous, the most, just the the best country there's ever been on earth. This is why people around the world who want to flee persecution, flee poverty, the country of choice is always America. What the New York Times is doing in the 1619 project is trying to divert your attention from the great founding ideas of America and in fact, instead, pull you back into the his slavery and to make the point, their point being that everything about America's history must be reframed, rethought in the context of thinking about racism and the beginning of slavery in our country. I will just give you a few examples. The entire edition of the Times magazine began with an overview of race in this last week. And with a statement, our democracy's founding ideas were false when they were written. Black Americans have fought to make them true. Now, yes, obviously when America was founded, we had slavery. No one's bragging about that. We as American people stood up. We had a civil war brought by many white Americans living in the North and black Americans, some of them free, some of them slaves, people fought to end slavery in this country nobody else made them do that but many many americans christian moral americans realized you can't have slavery in a country where you had a country founded on the idea of the all men are created equal endowed by our creator with sir we weren't perfect when we were founded no one argues we were women couldn't vote when we were founded but we as a country worked to make a more perfect union, make a better country. We went through the Civil War. We went through the civil rights movements. We went through ending segregation, all of which, by the way, were brought on by the Democrats. You have to understand your political history. It's the Democrat Party that tried to push slavery, the Democrat Party that instituted segregation in the South, the Democrat Party that pushed the Jim Crow laws, the Democrat Party that fought against the idea of the Civil Rights Acts. But, That history is ignored by the New York Times because that doesn't fit into their narrative. But going forward, what they're trying to do with this 1619 project is point out every aspect of policy in America must be seen through the lens of their racism argument. So, for example, they're going to have essays about the economy. But if you want to understand, this is one example of what they're going to be coming out with. If you want to understand the brutality of American capitalism, you have to start in the plantation. So now you have to see where they're going with. Capitalism is brutality. This is a very socialist left wing effort by the New York Times couched in terms of racism. So nobody dares disagree with them. Nobody dares mock them because you know, they're talking about racism and everybody says, well, I don't wanna be someone they're gonna uh, accuse of racism. So I'll just be quiet. So they're cap- they, are, they are equating capitalism and racism. You gotta understand this, they're going after capitalism. They're going after free markets. Okay, then they say, you, ha- you also have to talk about the food we eat. The sugar that saturates the American diet has a barbaric history as a white gold that fueled slavery. Okay, yes, slavery did help. The institution of slavery was around as sugar was developed, and especially refined sugar as a product. So now in America, every time you use sugar, think about sugar in your diet or read about sugar in a recipe, you're supposed to be reminded that sugar came to America at, via slavery. And so again, you must be racist if you don't think about this all the time. I'm gonna give you a few more because they really want to, to hit home on a, an important point. Never to turn to something that AOC had to say about this, but they're trying to plant the seed in your mind and in the minds of Americans around this country that everything about America is permeated by racism, was created by racism, is defined by racism. This is a vicious attack on the goodness and greatness of the American culture of people of every race, ethnicity, background, national origin in this country. People are being painted by the New York Times as living in the most deeply racist country ever on the planet. And that everyone needs to feel terribly guilty about that, and they have to be willing to go along with all the left-wing solutions, such as, for example, reparations will be a big part of this. You know, how can you not? How can you look at this history, friends? I just I'm obviously very worked up about this. I cannot possibly, I, I can't encourage you strong enough to realize this is a real, vicious, nasty, mean, hateful attack on America being launched by the New York Times. Under the guise of wanting to expose racism, what they really mean by that is cause you to agree with the left-wing view on every subject, or else be accused of being racist. This is the mission of the New York Times, and frankly, many of the Democrat presidential candidates. One other thing, they, they talk about you know this history of racism includes. Why don't? W- what about our nation's physical health? Why doesn't the United States have universal health care? Again, they're pushing a socialist mission. They want socialized medicine, which you know, free loving, free market loving people, freedom loving Americans do not want. But they're pushing it under the guise of "you must be a racist unless you agree with socialized medicine." The, folks, I, it's impossible to overstate um, the the significance of what they're trying to do. I'll read you one other little clip they have. America holds onto its undemocratic assumption from its founding that some people deserve more power than others. No, we, we don't. We, we try very, very hard to have as much fairness and equality equality of starting gate, give everybody you know a fair chance in life, not equality of outcome, which is what New York Times is pushing. And the last one, they're even going to have, what does a traffic jam in Atlanta have to do with segregation? Trust me, there'll be some reason that America is a bad, 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 bad place. I want to hit one more piece, though, one more um, aspect of the story about this um, 1619 project. I do really encourage you to go to our website and to read the uh, the transcription of this meeting of the New York Times staff, because the the um, editor, executive editor, Dean Bequette, Baquet is B A Q U E T. They had their town hall. We could go today. It was a very lengthy town hall, and he basically said, "Yeah, we tried really hard to get rid of Trump by getting the uh, Russia-Trump collusion story going. Turns out, you know, and he doesn't really concede that Trump-Russia collusion didn't happen." He concludes that Mueller didn't help us enough to get to uncover it. But anyway, the rest of the meeting was is essentially apologizing for their um, failure to cover racism adequately. He goes on and, on and on about the 1619 Project and how we're going to really, uh, you know, we're going to do everything we can to expose this country as a racist country from the founding up till today. Every issue you contemplate every issue you contemplate will be seen through this lens of racism. It's really, folks, this is the most insidious, ugly attack. It is designed to sway people in two ways. One is people who may be feeling vulnerable, people who, who are not yet experiencing success in the American dream, people who've had some, you know, less than perfect experiences in their life, is trying to plant the seed of doubt in the minds of millions of Americans of color that any problem you have, any any problem in your life, anything going on uh, is probably not really your fault. It's because of racism. It's hidden racism. It's racism by all these people in this country. It is designed to ha- to cause people to s- be suspicious toward, hateful toward, resentful toward their fellow Americans. It could not be uglier. And actually, as I, I won't read them all, but there are a bunch of questions from the staff most of them essentially arguing more and more and more and more. Can't we say racism more and more? The New York Times is not enough to say that they aren't journalists. That's clear that they are not journalists, but it's important to understand beyond being not just not journalists, these are people who have no interest in trying to report the truth, trying to understand what people, in fact, they talk about people who voted for Trump and it's kind of of the tone of, they need to be educated to see, even if they think they're not racist, that if they like Trump, they are racist. And this whole kind of given they get to decide, they have decided for all of us that they think Trump is a racist, and so everybody else has to think that. And anyone who supports him must either be a racist or be stupid, which leads me into I want to turn now and talking to uh talk to you about uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, the uh probably most famous member of the United States Congress. I'm going to guess, in fact, I did see. There was some survey, there were more people who the name Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez than Nancy Pelosi, but anyway, turning to Cortez. She had a brief interview where she, they were talking about racism in America, and I want to ask the wonderful producer Matt, I believe he has that, that ready, a quick clip from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Mm-hmm.
1: Trump becomes president, and there's this debate about, you know, are Trump voters racist? And mm-hmm. clearly, you see the rallies, you see some of the stuff online, and there's racism there. And then I wonder, like, I I don't necessarily want to vilify people who vote for Trump, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, you also need to call racism out. And I don't Mm -hmm. know how, even beyond Trump, I don't know how we ever sort of piece this back together or where are the spaces for these conversations? Mm -hmm. It's not about asking whether Trump voters are racist. We need to talk about racism. Mm. not racists we need to talk about racism its contours its histories where it manifests trump relied on a coalition and a core part of that coalition were racists yeah building a coalition with all sorts of other people that could be susceptible to racist views if they were blanketed and layered and made people feel good about it not being a racist thing and so there are a lot of people who support trump that genuinely don't believe that they are racist um because we do not talk about or educate people on recognizing racism
0: please understand what she's saying it ties in perfectly with the new york times she's making the argument that she the 27 year old whoever she is first term member of congress Who's never had a serious job in her life thinks that she can decide and announce f- to the country, to everyone, how you must see all sorts of issues under her definition of racism. She used the example of people just think, well, I just, I believe in the free market economy. Harking oh, back to what you heard that you, from the New York Times meeting. They're going to begin to explain to America that if you actually believe in free markets and capitalism, you didn't know it, but you're a racist. The, the Green New Deal, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez is pushing this radical, truly, I am not exaggerating, I am not, this is not hyperbole, communist takeover of America. That's what the Green New Deal is. She has spoken of that as opposition to it, as racist. She lays that idea out that it's racist if you won't agree with the communist takeover of America. She has discussed policy after policy after policy, border security, ICE, uh, the use of uh, restraining people when they come into America illegally as opposed to laying them loose in the country and hoping they show up for a hearing someday, environmental policy, tax policy, international policy. Every policy you can think of is defined by her or other leftists as racist unless you agree with their viewpoint. Where this conversation head throughout 2019 and 2020, every single policy the New York Times will be working on, it. it'll be recast by the um, it, it'll be recast by the New York Times as an issue of racism, and then it'll be parroted by the Democrat presidential candidates for president, the AOCs, the leftists of this world, so that all be talking about is race all day long. It is wearying and tiresome, but it's also extremely deeply troubling. America is a country filled with people of all races, ethnicities, backgrounds, skin colors, who work very hard every day to love their neighbor as themselves, to treat people like they want to be treated, who try very hard to never ever judge people by race. In fact, you know, there's been so much talk, we're gonna, on another show coming up soon, we're gonna talk about this whole uh, white supremacy, white privilege, that, that whole movement that has gotten around to where in academia, people can actually major in the in idea of something along the lines of repression by whites. It's not the name of the major, but they have courses of study and majors involving really how which the message is pretty much how much you should hate white people. This is where we're headed. It's extremely dangerous. I'll tell you one thing I want to say about race, and I, I, you know, I've said this many times in my talks, on this show, there is nothing to be proud of or ashamed of shouldn't be anything you take credit or blame because of your skin color your race your national origin your ethnicity not one person living on the planet earth since time began ever chose their race their ethnicity ethnicity their skin color it's just the package you came in skin color should not be a standard a an issue for which we take Cra- Blood. I can't speak English, Sorry. Blame or credit. It should not be something we are proud of or ashamed of. It's just. I mean, it is a great thing to. Thing to study your family's history, and your family's history happens to be, you know, Italian, Japanese, South American, whatever it is. You know, to enjoy your family's ethnic history and recipes and and all that kind of stuff but our value as American citizens, our place in this great experiment in human liberty is completely unrelated to skin color, race, national origin or ethnicity. The left uses this issue to to just drill down, cause a divide among the American people, wedge American people into groups that are hyphenated and then become suspicious of each other or are told by the politicians you should be suspicious of each other. This is an insidious attack on the great, unique founding of America, found on the idea in the Declaration that all men are created equal. We didn't live it at that time. We had slavery. We didn't let women vote. We had unequal rights for a variety of people. And we, as an American people, worked to improve it. We took those values in the Declaration, and we moved forward as a country, and worked to got ourselves to the point that we were bettering our... The way we practiced and lived the ideas we were committed to ourselves, we had committed ourselves to doing. So we had the Civil War, all the things I just went through. We ended segregation, we, we had the Civil Rights Act, we gave women equal rights and the right to vote. We kept moving forward toward honoring those founding ideas these ideas the democrats want to want to spread and live on the ideas of Alexandria ocasio cortez and the democrat presidential candidates these put america back into the dark ages they put america back into the time when in other countries we had entire societies built around one ethnic group didn't speak as some other ethnic group and one group had inferior or superior rights to other groups these are America-destroying ideas the New York Times is entertaining. They should be, be denounced as such. So I'm going to tell you, too, uh, very quickly, and I'm going to turn to my next topic, which is about the, um, the Democrats' internal race war. But I have one other point about, about this whole effort of the New York Times, AOC, the Democrat presidential candidates. This is not really new in 2019, Historians have pointed out, and in fact there was a brilliant article uh, by one of the great writers, Angelo Cordovia, who was pointing out, and I think it's on our website or else I can post it after the show, but he was pointing out that the Democrat Party really began around 1964, so we're talking like 50 years ago, started pushing the idea of they were going to garner their support from uh black Americans who they could paint as victims and provide and provide benefits for, upscale liberals. The were the term Alex, that uh, was used by the uh, Angelina can't speak English, that Angela Codovilla was uh, constituencies of resentment. It was the point of constituencies of resentment. The Democrats worked to organize those groups to perpetuate outrage. Blacks, upscale, upscale guilty liberals, immigrants. And this is a continuation on steroids now of what actually started in the Democrat Party in the 1960s. Instead of centering their party around the ideas and the policies that shape America, what they think about tax policy, what they think about whatever other issues we had, foreign policy and national security and all those kind of things, the Democrats began, instead of being focused on issues and presenting solutions, they became focused on people and their skin color and making people feel either outraged, guilty, or in some other way to process their place in the American political conversation based on their skin color. This is not new, but it is now on steroids with respect to the New York Times and the uh, efforts of AOC and others. And and I want to turn on this uh, Democrat It's really kind of an amazing thing that's happening in Washington. The Democrat Congressional uh, Campaign Committee, DCCCC, I guess 3C, DCCC, is headed up by a woman, a Democrat Congresswoman named Chairman Sherry Bustos. So this is a group that raises money in order to help incumbent Democrats get reelected into Congress and helps candidates who are challenging a Republican incumbent who's running that group helps those people get elected to Congress. Republicans have a similar thing on their side. Well, the DCCC, this woman, Bustos, uh, got attacked much earlier in this, like in March or so, basically over the idea that some of the constituencies, some uh, racial groups were claiming, why aren't there any people of color in the upper echelons, in the leadership of this Democrat congressional campaign committee? where are the people of color so she bustos was saying why we're just trying to fix it trying to see who might want to hold these um, positions actually have some staff members quit saying well you know we we don't feel welcome or you know we're I guess we're not supposed to be here we'll leave our positions open for somebody else so she's got a a racial attack on her and then it's compounded with an attack by two radical leftist groups in this country One, the Justice Democrats, who are radical far-left socialists, the ones who got AOC elected, and another group called Our Revolution. These two radically leftist groups are attacking the DCC, not just because of the composition of the leadership, but also because they don't want the DCC to in any way... uh, attack them or interfere with their ability, these these rebels of the Democrat Party, these radical leftists, they want to find more radical leftists to run for Congress in primaries against mainstream Democrat members of Congress. Their point is they want Green New Deal now. They want open borders. They want reparations. They want, uh, you know, uh, income. They want forced. uh, What's it called? Anyway, they they want to have a whole bunch of radically leftist ideas, and they want those ideas to be part of the Democrat platform. Many relatively sane Democrats still in Congress are saying, you know, these are just socialists. We're not going to do this. This is not who we are. We can't do this. So these radical leftists are complaining the DCC won't treat equally these new leftist candidates that these leftists are pushing. And the DCC is trying to hold on to the seats currently held by Democrats who have some semblance of sanity still remaining and some semblance of love of America still remaining. So they have this push happening inside the DCC. It's very interesting, I'll say, to watch how this unfolds. And it's a really uh, very it's very helpful for people on the right to look at how they're going to handle these things. Because some of these things these people are arguing about, um, the uh, our revolution and the Justice Democrats, they actually want the Green New Deal to become the democrat party platform they actually want socialized medicine free health care for all they actually want free college for everybody they, they actually want that and total loan forgiveness for every college loan they want radical immigration reform they want to start to get rid of ice to get rid of border patrol these are people who want to abandon America. And they have a big enough voice in the Democrat Party now, but the Democrats are scrambling and kind of backpelling, trying to figure out what to do with these people. And so inside the DCC, they're pushing this race issue, and they're pushing, you know, you have to agree to support all these really radically leftist ideas. And I tell you, it's a real sign how dangerous this is, a dangerous time this is, because the Democrat, if there are, to the extent there are a lot of, you know, mainstream Democrats left in Congress, they're not sure they can fight back. They are not sure they can stand up against this push of this radical leftist socialist agenda. They don't have strong leaders inside the Democrat Party in Washington saying, hey, folks, we're Democrats. We maybe like higher taxes on rich people. You know, we maybe a little more, a uh, little less interested in, in military interventions, or we think maybe more support for certain search- certain social spending is good. But we're Americans. We're free marketers. We're not socialists. The Democrats, they have people like that elected to Congress, but none of them has the courage to speak up and say wait a minute, we're not socialists. Here's who we really are. These people are crazy. They don't dare do it. The Democrat Party is in peril dealing with extremely radical nature of the people who are now um, now just uh, voicing their demand that essentially uh, the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee let their radical agenda be part of the whole effort in the 2020 elections it's an amazing time to watch i mean the the democrats are really they're in a very very tough spot okay two of the stories i want to try to hit uh in this happy show today uh one is um there was just a stunning and great great clip uh, of an interview uh, john solomon who's a writer uh, at the hill he's an investigative reporter he's been one of the ones on to the trump uh russia collusion hoax early on, well aware that, the, that it was a, a cooked up inside the FBI, cooked up attack job on Trump. And, you know, this is where this whole investigation is now heading. It's why Bill Barr and John Durham, the attorney general, who are looking into this, who are doing the investigation now, they're not looking into just kind of wrapping up loose ends. They're looking into the FBI attempted a coup in our country. The FBI attempted to take down a duly elected, you know, first of all, a candidate, President Trump, as he was running for the presidency. And then after he won, this was a coup inside our own government against an opposition party. A coup happening back as of March of 2016 under President Obama and apparently involving the head of the CIA, John Brennan, setting up meetings, trying to set up Trump affiliates in some way to eventually accuse him of something. So Mifsud is this one name. We talked about him before. If we have a quick moment, I want to play uh, this, this uh, quick clip by John Solomon his interview with Maria Bartiroma.
1: Uh, I interviewed uh, Mr. Mifsud's lawyer the other day, Stefan Rowe, and he told me and he also provided some deposition evidence to both Congress and myself that his client was being directed had long worked with Western intelligence and he was being directed specifically he was asked to connect uh, George Papadopoulos to Russia, meaning it was an operation some form of an intelligence operation that was the lawyer's own words for this if that's the case, that means that the flashpoint that started the whole investigation was in fact manufactured from the beginning and uh, I know both John Durham and two members of two different committees in Congress have recently reached out to get this evidence from the lawyer, which includes an audio tape deposition that Mr. Misu gave his lawyer before he went into hiding. So there's a lot of evidence that can be combed through. We can get to the bottom of this, uh, but uh, I think the Barr-Durham investigation is looking much more intensively at a period that hasn't gotten much scrutiny in the American public, and that's that March to July time
0: frame. Okay, folks, let me summarize why this is so important because I still have one more quick story. That guy you were listening to, John Solomon, he's an extremely well respected and extremely serious and earnest, like the old school actual investigative reporter. He talked to Miss Sue's lawyer. So, Miss sued this guy that the FBI relied on as having provided information that supposedly Papadopoulos was interested in emails that Russia had from the Hillary campaign, this whole attempt to set up Papadopoulos and therefore set up the Trump campaign to frame him. What Solomon's saying is that person, Sud, his lawyer has acknowledged Sud was a Western Asset. He was one of our guys. He was a CIA or FBI appointed guy acting at their behest. So the FBI really did set up this whole thing that launched eventually into the Trump-Russia collusion allegation. Nassoud is acknowledging through his lawyer that he was a Western asset. He was working at the behest of either CIA or FBI, probably CIA, to go set up Papadopoulos to get to the point that they could use that information to kick off the Trump-Russia collusion investigation. This is mind-blowingly important. And I'll tell you one of the quick headline, which is a really funny thing. I'll turn to our last story then. But uh, the this um, what Massoud did, because he's actually worried about his own safety, as you heard Solomon say, he gave a deposition. He did what happened. And then he's gone into hiding. And the going into hiding part was described as assisted suicide avoidance. He's worried about his own safety, given the fact he's come forward to tell the truth about what the FBI did. Last story, and this is a quick last story to say, the big kerfuffle this past week about the effort of Ilhan Omar and uh, Rashida Rashida Tlaib to get into Israel. They wanted to go visit Israel. They're going under the auspices of a group that's a profound supporter of BDS movement, boycott, divest, and sanction movement. So, as you likely saw in the news, Israel said, no thanks, actually, you can't come here, al Omar and Rashid, Rashid Tlaib, to come to Israel where you're trying to stir up hatred of Jews and hatred of Israel. And so they have gone all victim modes, and this is terrible, you can't do this to us, you know, we're, they're trying to call it Islamophobic. They're, coming, they're essentially saying, these two congresswomen, Democrat Muslim congresswomen, are trying to say, We hate Israel, we defame Israel all the time, we attack Jews, we're anti-Semitic, we want to go to Israel to perpetuate our attack on the Jewish people and on the state of Israel. We are coming under the auspices to stir up the BDS movement, and we're outraged you won't let us come. I mean, it's absurd. But I learned some things about the BDS movement very quickly to share with you, because BDS gets a lot of credit in relatively respectable circles. People say, well, you know, it's just people that think that Israel's is doing the wrong thing about the settlements and that they should, you know, give certain land away to other, other entities and somehow it's all Israel's fault. That they've done bad things and that's why this BDS movement exists. This would be false. The BDS movement, just so you know, founded by left-wing socialists and uh, Marxists in 2001 explicitly for the purpose to undermine Israel's sovereignty. They have skillfully explored the language of peace, justice, and human rights to appeal to Western dupes who fall for this. But adopted by Palestinian extremists in 2005, so, so now you got the socialists to destroy Israel in 2001. The Palestinians, who hate all the Israelis, adopted it in 2005, and they use it to mislead civic, cultural organizations, government, and individuals. And they claim is only for the purpose of trying to get a Palestinian state. If we could just have a Palestinian state, of course, then we would stop this BDS movement. But this is great because there's more exposure to the reality. BDS is nothing more than the ongoing today ancient hatred of Jews and Israel, the ancient anti-Semitism all of us have known about since time began. And my friends, I always close the show every day. I like to close the show by turning to telling you why the stories I talk about in the show matter to you. Uh, number one, the left's obsession with racism. And I, I, I didn't even begin to cover all the ways which they're obsessed. The New York Times has now admitted that they are shifting from the Trump-Russia collusion attack to the Trump-is-racist attack. It tells you everything you need to know about the New York Times. They're the outlet, not a journalist. New York Times 1619 Project, recasting American history in terms of racism, brazenness and arrogance on steroids, proclaiming a new worldview to denigrate America, no other purpose. AOC explains Trump voters are just too stupid to know that they're racist. So she says we have to explain to them what racism is, which basically in her worldview will be racism is anything policy we don't like. Dems are at war with each other over race quotas in leadership and campaign rhetoric. This racism obsession is unfounded. It is pathological, and it needs to be passionately, relentlessly, and articulately rejected by the American people. On Mueller and this huge Mifsud news, the Mifsud-Papadopoulos meeting has been spun by the coup plotters as the launching point of the FBI's investigation of Trump based on Mifsud as a possible Russian agent. But Mifsud's newly revealed assisted suicide avoidance action, his deposition now being made public, um, says he's a Western intelligence asset. You need to read that probably as CIA. And his meeting was part of a CIA operation against Trump. This, folks, the truth must come out about this. The coup origin evidence is zeroing in on former CIA director John Brennan, Brennan's boss was none other than President Barack Obama. The rule of law in America is hanging in the balance, and I don't say that lightly. If we don't get to the bottom of this, root this out, we're surrendering the rule of law. Barr and Durham need to force accountability. Final little why it matters to you. Ilhan Omar, Israel, and BDS truth. Islam teaches the hatred of Jews. Representative Ilhan Omar is a practicing Muslim who regularly attacks Jews and Israel. The boycott, divest, sanction BDS movement she supports is plainly anti Semitic. The Omar Tuleyab reason for traveling to Israel was to incite more hatred. And then they play the victim, playing the victim, pretending that Israel turned them away due to Islamophobia. G- gets five Pinocchios here. Anti Semitism has no place in America. The Aurelian word games do not change the reality that BDS is just a modern form of ancient and ongoing anti Semitism. Folks, I do this show, America Can We Talk. Every day, four days a week, Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time will be back on schedule the day after Labor Day. And I do it out of love for this country and just a desire to speak up for its extraordinary greatness, the uniqueness of the ideas that created America and to urge more people to recognize the American ideas we all love, hold dear. Those ideas that built America and made America the great country it is are under horrific assault in this country today. There is just a need for all of us to engage in the issues, to understand the issues, to share them with our friends, to be part of the effort to preserve America, the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. And I talk to you every week because America matters. I'll talk to you again the day after Labor Day. Thanks for listening.
1: America can we talk truth about America